you guys just experienced pretty much the way that I started almost every one of my meetings with students like for 15 years. I had music videos going. And it was normally like a song that they maybe knew or cared about, but it was always like a video that kind of like had some images that kind of like kind of nudged them in a positive direction and kind of shook them up in a different kind of way. And Ann and I moved here, geez, like a long time ago, it feels like now, like 18-ish, 19-ish, whatever years ago. We came here and we originally had set out, like after college, we were like, we just want to make a difference. You know, like a lot of college students do after you graduate. You're like, all right, I'm ready to do something. I want to like, I want to tackle the world. I want to make this happen. And we set out and we said, we definitely want to make a difference and an impact in the world. And that difference is going to be made through the lives of students. At that time, I didn't call them students. I called them kids. Um, and then after I started working with them, I learned to call them students because no one likes to be called a kid. And so we set out and we were like, how are we going to make this happen? I don't even know what this looks like, but we're ready to tackle it and go huge. And so we had two options sitting out in front of us. We were looking at becoming house parents of an orphanage in Romania. Those were my connections. And we were actually going to go do that. And we had purchased some books. And we were, just, we were like, we're going to start learning the language. We're going to make this happen. Because we were actually going to have to live there for a certain amount of years before we could officially become the house parents of this orphanage. Or we were looking at coming to Breckenridge, Colorado. Like, completely different, right? Like, worlds apart. And honestly, I'm just going to throw it out there. I had never been to Breckenridge before we came out and visited here. We didn't even know what Breckenridge was. We didn't know it was like a ski town. We had no clue. But by chance, we got set up with a little interview, and we came and visited this town. And there was a youth program that was kind of like being remade. And we were given full creative reign to kind of just run with it, take control of it, and create something. And that sounded really exciting to the two of us. And we didn't have to learn Romanian. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard. Romanian, it's a tough language. Yeah, like if, <laughs> so we like, we all of a sudden said, yes, we're going to come out here. We're going to work with students. We're going to hang out in Breckenridge. We didn't even know how much we were going to be paid. We, didn't, we said yes. We were just like, we're coming. This is awesome. It was crazy. Our parents probably thought we had lost our minds. And I still have a clipping from, like, it was like not far out from after we got here, maybe two or three months, they did an interview, and they put us on the front page of the Summit Daily. Like, it was hilarious. They were like, who's this new couple in town, and what are they doing, and all this kind of stuff. And you can read in the interview, it said that we were going to stay here three to five years, and then we were going to move on, and we were probably going to go overseas and maybe work with students, like, out of the country. Who knows what we're going to do? But we're still here. And we knew that we were going to make a difference, and we had these grandiose ideas of how we were going to make that difference, right? Like, we had dreams. We were thinking about meaningful relationships and connection and, and mentoring and, and what that all would look like. We had these ideas of changing students' lives forever. I had this grand notion of love and that love can be expressed in all these different kinds of ways. And if people really come into contact with it, if they really experience it in like a really true form, it's going to alter the course of your life, and it's going to actually change your perspective and the way you see everything moving forward. 
And that's what we were going to do with students. And then you find yourself in front of them, hanging out with them, mediating an argument about who put dog poop in whose drink. True story, right? Like, true story. And I thought he was going to be here tonight, like Daniel Chapman. He's one of the guys. Some of you know him. And, and seriously, I kid you not, like, you're like, oh, yeah, he put dog poop in my drink. Yeah, really? Why'd you put dog poop in his drink? He put grass in my drink. And I'm like, what? Grass equals dog poop how? Like, it just doesn't add up. And so we found ourselves in front of students trying to figure out, like, what this looks like. How are you going to make this difference? How are you going to change their, their lives? What, is it, what does it look like? And so quickly, we were thrown into their world and their priorities, their circles of engagement. I mean, I ask students every year, OK, put down on paper for me. Spell it out for me. What are your priorities? What are your biggest spheres of influence? Like, where are you at on a daily basis? And of course, it comes up. Like, what's top on the list? Friends. Friends is like number one. It's always right there. Close second, family, right? Third, school. Fourth, sports. This was on every student's list every single time. That's Summit County students, 100%. And so we start like trying to figure that out and looking into their worlds and like talking with them about it. And I still remember a conversation I had probably in year and a half in with a student. And he was like, Phil, I love all the stuff you're talking with us about, and I love what you're saying, but how do we live like in middle school? <laughs> like, how do, you, how do you do this? How do I be me? And I was like, all absolutely fascinating questions. And so from that point forward, I always said, like, what we're going to talk about at, at this program is simply how to be fully human. That's it. That's what we care about. And what does that look like? Because apparently, in these different places that you're going, you've got questions about how do I live and how do I be me? In my skin, what does it look like to do, to do this? So immediately, like, we started diving into like, life skills. Right? We start trying to like, teach students life skills. And one of my, first, one of my early talks was the cycle of like, vengeance and revenge and forgiveness. And we talked about dog poop and drinks. Right? And we talked about escalation, how it never just stops with, like, I punch you. And then I kick you. And then you knock me down. And it just keeps going somewhere until someone says, no. I'm not going to let it escalate. I'm not going to let it go there. I did this talk, and it really resonated. And it connected with them. And they were like, oh, that's really awesome. That's pretty cool. So then we like, started looking a little deeper. I did like what I would call the least common denominator, the LCD. I mean, that was a math class for me. I don't know about you guys. But you're trying to figure out people, and you're trying to figure out what are the commonalities here, right? What are like these base commonalities that I can talk about and teach you that are going to hit every single one of you. Because they're shared feelings, they're shared experiences. We all have similar timelines and stages that we go through. And so I start talking about that with students. And then we were nailing it. We were 100% nailing it with these students. Because everything we were talking about was so relevant. 
It was something they were feeling. It was something they had just gone through. It was something that they were looking forward to. And it was just all hitting on all the right cylinders. We had these adult leaders that would show up. And when I would talk to them, I'd be like, all right, come on. I want you to hang out with these students. I don't know. I don't have much time. I'm like, dude, you're like 20. You're single. You have the most time you're ever going to have in your whole life. Like, you have so much freaking time, you don't even know what to do with it, but you're telling me you don't have any time. And so, like, I'd talk them into doing it, and then they'd go out to lunches and breakfast, and they'd come on trips with us. And these adults, man, it cracks me up, because they would be like, I don't know if you want me hanging out with students. Why? Man, I just don't have my shit together, you know? Like, no, you're going to be great. (laughs) You're going to be great. Because guess what? Like, and what I didn't tell them was, you're going to learn so much through this process, too. You're going to grow. You're going to change. You're going to be impacted by this. And you don't even realize it. So they started hanging out. And so then we started inviting questions from the students, you know? Like, what do you guys want to hear about? What do you guys want to learn about? And, like, we would talk about stuff. And the thing that they really picked up pretty quickly was that I would leave things pretty open-ended sometimes. We were okay with not knowing. And that was something that like really went over huge, right? Like students were just, I don't know, they were amazed at the fact that they could be in the presence of like people who were older than them that would say like, I honestly, I I don't know. Like I'm still figuring this out. I'm still learning too. That's my process. And I'm getting so much out of this, but man, I don't know, if you figure it out, come tell me, right? And then they're like, wait a second, what's going on? So we went through this whole process and we're hanging out with students We had all of this unfold. I remember one time I stood up and I gave this talk, and I still give the talk, but I change all the circumstances of it. It was called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly of Life. I gave this talk shortly after one of my uncles passed away. And I did exactly what I'm doing right now to a group of students. And I'm telling you what, The risk I took in sharing some of my story, the vulnerability displayed, and the authenticity connected immediately. And as we keep doing all of these different talks and engaging students, I'm taking notes, like mentally. I'm not keeping a record anywhere, but I'm tracking with all of this and figuring out what is it that's working so well and making such a difference. Because I'm watching students get excited I'm watching them keep coming back. I'm watching them invite friends. I'm watching them slowly change in positive and better ways. And I simply came down to it, man, we've created some kind of crazy community here. We're like, we're inspiring, we're encouraging, we're authentic, we're taking risks, we're being vulnerable. They see it demonstrated, they feel that they can do it too. And it was reciprocated, and it was mirrored. And it continued to happen, and it continued to happen. And literally, I'm a better person because of it. Now, we went through all of those different things with these students. We found out all these human commonalities. We shared story after story about these experiences that brought us closer. We talked about the whole idea of me too, and it's okay to not be okay, and we all belong. And Anne, Myself and these other leaders were a constant voice of support, affirmation, and challenge. And we brought it at everything we went to. Everything we went to. 
Now, when you're going through adolescence, you're learning a whole lot. And it's coming at you from every angle, and it's coming at you fast. And you're not quite sure who to pay attention to or know, like, who's right or what's wrong or what anything. But there's also a lot when you're going through adolescence that gets unmentioned. And what I mean by unmentioned was there are some endearing and enduring quality traits that we all kind of hold true. We're like, man, we love it if people would be fill in the blank, right? And some of those things, we're like leaving it up to like how students figure this stuff out. Like when they're going, hanging out with their family, they're hanging out with their friends, they're hanging out with their school teachers and their peers, and they're going to sports things. But what I quickly found was, man, in all of those circles, there are some things that go unmentioned things that aren't being taught. It's not happening. So then we kind of started focusing on some of those things as well. I wanted to kind of like tap into some of those things and see what it would look like to talk about with students. Let's talk about forgiveness. Let's talk about what that looks like. Let's talk about why that's important. Let's talk about how you do that. And so we started kind of like dabbling with some of those things because I was paying attention and realizing, man, I don't know sometimes where they're going to learn this. Like, there's no class to take. <laughs> there was no team to join. There was nothing to make that happen for them. And where was it going to happen if it wasn't happening already for them? Some people are lucky enough, and they're growing up in a family where like that's talked about or, or it's happening or it's demonstrated. But for a lot of reasons and for a lot of people, not so much. And so we created this space, this amazing space. It was pretty incredible. Um, I call it <laughs> the living classroom, simply what it was. Kind of a layered meaning, but it's like twofold. It's like on the first level, you've got this idea that like, here's this space that's kind of evolving and it's got living human beings in it and it's changing and it's dynamic and we're gonna keep like, pushing the limits and like looking at everything going on. The second one simply being, it's a living classroom. That it's this space where we're actually gonna talk about mastering the art of living. What it means to be fully human. What it looks like to be a human being in your skin and tackling day by day the things that come your way. And so we created this living classroom space that was pretty special. I've got just a few stories that I wanna share with you. Um, the first one being, we were trying to teach students manners, like manners. I mean, you think like, what do you mean? Well, take 60 of them to a hotel and just see like what happens, right? What kind of creeps up there? I would always have this talk with them, like we're standing outside and the first thing that comes up is simply this. I'm like, all right, everybody, we're gonna go inside this hotel. And when we do, when you enter through that door, it doesn't mean you start running. Like, there's no signs that say, do this, please. There's nothing like that. You're walking through the door. Continue walking once you get inside, right? Like, simple things. We were always like, hey, we would try and check out the rooms when we left hotels to make sure that the rooms weren't trashed. There's someone who comes in here after you. And lots of times students would say, yeah, but that's their job to clean it up. So make it easy on them, right? Be respectful. Someone's going to come in here after you and clean up your room. Have some manners. Figure that one out. We took this trip um, to Guatemala, and we were building houses. 
this story is going to get my heartstrings. I'm sorry. But we were in Guatemala, and we're there. And uh, sometimes you're trying to teach students just about human dignity because that's important. So we're there. We're hanging out. And like Daniel Chapman, the poop guy I was mentioning earlier, he's got like blonde hair, and all the kids would play with his hair. Um, it was so cool to see them interact with the locals that we were with. And there was this one kid who showed up every day, and he didn't have shoes. And he was made fun of by all the other kids. And one of our girls found this out and like was talking with the students and figured out, why is this kid made fun of? Oh, he's so poor, he doesn't have any shoes. And we're thinking, they're all poor. Like, I mean, it was ridiculous, right? Like, they're wearing the same shoes every day if they've got them, and this poor kid doesn't have shoes, and he gets made fun of. And so Jess goes to the local market. I remember seeing her down there. She's sticking her hand down, and she's drawing a, a line on her arm. She's measuring his feet with her, with her arm. And she, like, drew a line, and she went to the local market, and she bought this kid a brand-new pair of, like, white tennis shoes. Like, nothing was white there. It was amazing. Like, his shoes looked awesome. And so anyway, she bought him these shoes, and she gave him these shoes, and he wore them every single day until we left. And it's stories like that that, like, kept us going, right? Another story from that trip, um, we were trying to teach you know, students about being honest. We were trying to teach students about confrontation. You're trying to teach students about having confidence and, and owning your actions. And we had some students sneak out while we were there. They scared the crap out of us, by the way. Like, literally, like six of them snuck out. They don't have their passports, and it's nighttime, and it's in Guatemala. Come on, man. We laid into them. but. Here's the funny thing. We didn't send them home. We threatened to. We didn't send them home. The story I want to tell you, though, is about this one kid on the trip who came up to me afterwards, and he said, Phil, I'm really disappointed in you. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, there's so many of us on this trip that never would have done that. We wouldn't have snuck out. We understand the rules of a sky trip. We get it. And we have high regard for you. We would have never snuck out. I'm really disappointed that you didn't send those students home. Whew. Dang. Thanks for calling me on my own stuff. You know what I mean? Like in having that hard conversation with me and telling me about this. Loved that moment with that student. Couldn't believe that he had grown that much. One last story. Um, there's this girl, and she was graduating, and she came up to me, and she had to say, like, hey, what are the, what's the best thing about Sky? Like, what, what are you leaving with the most? Tell me about this program, you know? And we would have seniors talk to all the other students. And so she got up, and she started talking, and people were kind of laughing because it was kind of comical in a sense. Like she said, what I love about Sky is that I remember it. And so she pushed it further and further, and she's like, I go to a lot of parties. And I've hung out and I've done a lot of stuff the four years of high school. But it all kind of blurs. And you don't really remember much of it. She's like, I remember every single Sky moment. Because I was sober, and I was there, and I showed up. 
I was like, this is awesome. This is so great to hear that kind of feedback and to know that she's walking away with this whole host of stuff. And so I stepped away thinking, man, in 15 years, we did it. It helped. We changed lives. Our grandiose ideas like came like full circle, like stuff happened. And it's pretty awesome to stand where I am today and to still know a lot of those stories and talk with a lot of those students. But the living classroom idea is what stuck with me. That's kind of what's carried me. And I put this quote up here on the board. I don't know if you guys, I can't even read it, but I put it up here. I know the English translation. Does anybody recognize it? <laughs> no? Okay, great. There's actually a person in the room who gave me this quote, T, forever ago, probably like five years ago now, maybe three years ago. Michelangelo. Michelangelo was 87, and he was working on a sketch, and he wrote this on the corner. Translated, it stands for Still I Am Learning. He was at the ripe age of 87 years old, working on a sketch, and he said, Still I Am Learning. Now, here's what I want you to think about just for a moment. I know that as adults, we care a whole lot about students and youth because they're essentially wet cement, you know? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I don't know if you've ever heard that analogy, but it's like this idea that, like, oh, they're wet cement. They're still becoming, right? They're in process. If you want to change the future, work with students, right? Work with youth. But I love Michelangelo saying at 87, still, I am learning. And I don't know whatever heartstrings I tugged on for any of you guys talking about students and youth and you thinking this, but I want to flip it really quick because. Are any of us really that different from middle school students, from high school students? Are you not still in process? Are you not still becoming? I always joke around about this, but no one asks me what I want to be when I grow up. And it kind of pisses me off, like just that much, right? Because there's this idea that like you're older, and at some point you've got it figured out. And I pretty for sure that the majority of us in this room could throw your hand up and be like, ain't got it figured out. You know, I saw a Facebook post just the other day. It was cracking me up. They were like, yeah, remember when we were younger and people who were 30 seemed really old and they had it all together? Whoops. You know what I mean? Like, in on the secret, we're all still students. We are all still students, all still learning, figuring this out. Asking the question, how do we even do this? What does it look like to live at this age, in this space, in this skin? I don't totally know. And I wish sometimes that I had that living classroom space. Because guess what? I've got routines. I've got habits. I've got hobbies. I've got a job. I've got a family. I've got friends. And it all can feel pretty busy and pretty overwhelming sometimes. And when it comes down to it, those endearing and enduring qualities, I'm not so sure where I'm being taught some of those still. And I could still learn a whole lot. That's kind of where I find myself. And I'm not sure if you kind of find yourself in a similar place sometimes. 
in need of that living classroom space. We're adults, but we're still in process. We're still becoming. We're still students. And so sometimes what I like to think of is that um, I call it the crisis spectrum. I mean, there's got to be some kind of technical term. But it's this idea that you know, over here you have 100% healthy, right? And over here you've got full-blown hot mess, right? Like it's like off the charts. So like most of us are in between those two spaces at any given time. Like we're like traveling from one place to the next. But as I like to say, you're okay until the day you're not, right? And so whatever help when I'm in between that I can get, I want to grab a hold of that. I want to be intentional about it. I want to chase it down. I want to figure out how to pursue it and continue to learn about this person being fully human. What does that look like for me? Because the more I learn, it feels like it keeps me in check, you know? And I kind of click back to that like 100% healthy, which no one's ever there, right? I mean, come on. That's just like an idea. Perfection just doesn't exist. Like, we can chase it all we want, but it's not there. So on that spectrum, I don't know where you find yourself on that spectrum. I have no clue. But what I do know is sometimes we hit a standstill. Sometimes you hit this pause. And you need a nudge. You need help. You need to continue learning. And most of the time, you can't ask for it because <laughs> it's just who we are sometimes. Now, there's this show on Netflix. It's called Queer Eye. Have any of you guys seen it? Oh, my gosh. OK, so if you haven't seen Queer Eye, you should probably check it out. Um, Queer Eye has, how, how many guys is it? All right, so these five gay dudes like, basically come into people's lives, and they help them out. And what's so funny is, like, all of the people they help are at that standstill. They're at that pause. They don't really do that much for them, but it's so much, right? It's one of those, like, crazy paradoxes. It's like they spend, like, maybe seven days, sometimes five days with someone. Like, they'll come in, and here's this guy. He's going to get married in seven days. We got to help this guy out. So they come in, and what do they do? From the moment they get there, they support him. They speak words of affirmation. And they challenge him to be more him. That's all they do the whole episode. You're like, they're not really doing that much, but they're doing so much. And by the time they leave, this guy stands taller. He's stronger. He's more rooted, and he's different. Man, he becomes a student, and he embraces the fact that, like, I'm still learning. I'm still in process. I don't totally get this. Please help me out, right? And of course, you know, they redo a room. You always have to redo a room. And like, they buy him some clothes and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That's all happening. But underneath it, if you watch an episode, pay attention to what's happening. Support, affirmation, and challenge. It's there, and it's present, and it changes people. It changes students. It changes adults. And sometimes that's exactly what we need. 
is to be back in the space of a living classroom. Now, I would say, like, I'm just fancily talking about the word community, right? Like, finding a community. But the problem with that is sometimes people settle for too little when they find community, right? Sometimes their community that they're looking for doesn't have any of the stuff I was just talking about. It's just like really maybe shallow, and it's just connection, and that's it, you know? I think back to Mallory and that quote that she said about remembering Sky and all the experiences and everything she had. She was going to parties, and she was hanging out, and there was a lot of connection and community happening, but nothing really deep. And so I just want to give you guys a couple of questions to maybe put out there that you could ask for yourself about maybe the different places you're involved. Because I would challenge you to say you need some kind of a living classroom space in your life, some kind of space where you're still learning. And not just like job learning. I'm talking about like those endearing, enduring qualities. Because we need to like keep, keep learning on those. And sometimes you're going to be involved in different communities, and I would simply ask this question. When I'm a part of this group, this place, this community, am I better? Is it like growing me, like my interior space? Is it enhancing me? Do I step away like a better version of myself? Is that, what, is that what's going on here? Otherwise, you might think you're a part of like something that's changing you, and lo and behold, you're just kind of going through the motions. I've seen lots of people say, man, I want connection, I want community, I want to be a part of something. You know what I mean? But then like after like some kind of year of being a part of this, there's still kind of this absence. There's still kind of this feeling, and it's mainly because let's go back to like this idea of support, affirmation, and challenge. Is that happening in your community? If it's not, you might not still be learning. You might not be on that track of growing. You might be literally just going through the motions. Anna and I found ourselves like in that place before, and you asked the question like, okay, so take this away and this away. Would I still be doing this? Maybe not. And sometimes that's okay. That's okay. So maybe tonight you can consider the different groups that you're a part of, the different communities you're a part of, or the different communities that you want to be a part of, right? And you can simply say this, maybe there's some groups I need to quit because honestly, it's not like enhancing me, it's not bettering me, it's not, it's not taking me anywhere, it's not doing what I, what I had hoped, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just not happening there for me. And that could be for a whole host of reasons, but if that's you and you find yourself there, it's okay to stop, like it's okay to quit. Necessary endings in life, right? They come. And they're really hard, but sometimes you just have to say, oh, I'm going to peace out. Like, I'm done. There might be a group that you're secretly saying, man, I would love to do that. I'm not sure if I should do that. I'm not sure if I can do that. But it's like, you know what? Guess what? You're still alive. Your story isn't finished. Keep going. Keep learning. Jump on board. Try it. See what happens. Who knows? As far as like the whole learning process goes too, you might have to figure out exactly what you need to learn. There might be some things that you know, like, oh, I, I haven't gone there. 
Like I made a joke a couple of weeks ago about doing my sister-in-law's wedding and reading the big book for AA. And Anne was reading the book, and I was reading the book, and Anne was reading the book, and she was getting very excited, and she was like, we should do this. And I was looking at the book thinking, no, like that sounds really hard, some of those things. I don't think I'm ready. Here's what I would challenge you to do. What are some of those things that might be hard for you? What are some of those places that you haven't gone, some of those things that you haven't learned, something that you would like to know more about? What are some of those ideas? What are some of those topics? Because you're still in process. You're still a student. What is it that you could learn a whole lot better? Someone I heard once said, you know forgiveness? Like, we don't need to be good at it. We need to be great at it. And I was like, ooh, I'm only good. Like, <laughs> you know, I still have some room to grow and learn when it comes to forgiveness. Like, I definitely know that. But in the chaos of my busy day, in my busy life, where am I going to learn about that? Where am I going to learn about that? So I'm going to challenge you guys tonight. You can have some homework. I'm going to pass something out for you. Um, <clears throat> you can just take one and pass them around. This says living classroom topics. This is going to be for you, and it's going to be for me. Okay? So keep it anonymous still. You're going to write down maybe one thing, maybe 10 things. I don't care. Something that you feel like you could learn more about. Something that's difficult for you, something that's hard, something that you have no clue about. I don't care. You could also write down where you might learn about that. Because that's probably going to be one of the hardest things. And of course, I'm talking about all of this hoping desperately the more to life can be one of those spaces for you guys, right? The more to life can be one of the spaces where it can serve as that living classroom kind of idea. We can talk about things that are really relevant. We can talk about things that can continue to keep us on that track of learning. And it can continue to nudge you and push you and not let you kind of come to that standstill, but just kind of keep you ticking, you know, and moving forward. I would love to know if there are places, like you can write that down too, where you would learn about whatever it is you're going to write down. I would also just know, love to know some ideas because we're introducing this series called The Living Classroom. This is where it's all been birthed and where it's all been inspired from in my crazy head. And we're going to do like, you know, once every other month, something kind of outside of a more to life night that's a little bit bigger that kind of tackles some of these issues in a really kind of cool way for adults, right? Because we're still students. And there's not a chance that we're supposed to all have it figured out by now. And with our crazy, overwhelming, busy lives, man, sometimes it's like, where do I go? Maybe you just hate listening to podcasts or you don't like to read. I don't really like to read. So it's kind of like one of those things. It's like, what's going to happen for me? Because I want to continue to grow. Like, as a person, I want to understand what it means to be fully human. There are things that I haven't experienced yet that I'm nervous about, I'm anxious about. I saw someone post yesterday. Are any of you guys friends with Elizabeth Lawrence on Facebook? <laughs> Did you see what she posted? It was hilarious. It was out to everybody. She's like, I have to go in for an MRI, and I'm really worried. Right? She, like, puts it out there. She's like, 
please tell me stuff. I don't know. Like, what should I do? And people were like, wear socks. It's really cold in there. And, you know, like, she's like, can I listen to headphones? And someone was like, yeah, I think you can. You know, like, everybody's, like, bouncing back and forth. But, man, in all of my years of working with students who are very much like all of you and me, I learned that getting together in a room is powerful, A, and it should happen more. And B, man, when we talk and support and encourage each other, crazy things happen. Crazy things happen. And we can ask questions, and we can share experiences, and we can talk about things. And when we do, we are something better at the end. It's pretty impressive. So I would love for you to just take a moment. I'm going to play a song, okay? It's just like an acoustic song. It shouldn't be too overwhelming. I know I have some crazy music. Any kind of a topic that you want to throw down on there would be great. Um, keep it anonymous again. If you want to remember it and you feel like you'll forget it, take a picture with your phone. That's what I do, because I forget a lot. But I'm just going to play a song acoustically for us while you have a couple of minutes just to think about that and consider it and write some stuff down. All right. OK, so. I'm going to drop this bowl back on the table again. If you feel comfortable enough like turning that in, that would be awesome. Because I would love to see some of those responses. I would love to change and create and tweak like some of the Living Classroom series and gear it towards some of what you put down. I would love to make that happen. I'm a firm believer that we all need voices that support us, voices that encourage us, voices that affirm who it is we are, and that challenge us and nudge us to not stand still in life and to continue learning. So my question to you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right? What do you want to be? Because your story isn't over. You're not finished. And I'm telling you tonight that you can do this, that you've got this that you can go out and you can participate in spaces that will nurture you, that will invite you forward into being more fully who it is you are, because you're still becoming. You're still becoming. We're all students, so it's my hope that we'll still be learning and continue that.